the Flash is tied to a giant boomerang twice. And uh, Kid Flash travels back to prehistoric times twice. We'll talk about it straight ahead in The Flash, The Silver Age, Volume 2. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. As I discussed in a previous episode, after many of the great superhero franchises of the Golden Age flamed out in the late 40s and early 50s, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman remained the really only consistent uh, games in town when it came to superheroes. However, that changed when DC introduced Barry Allen as The Flash in showcase number four. The Flash was successful, and with the Scarlet Speedster's success, many more uh, superheroes would be added to the roster of the DC Universe. To understand what made The Flash successful, it's important to understand what The Flash didn't have. There wasn't great characterization or much characterization at all. That would be something really that Marvel would bring to superheroes with the emergence of the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man later on in the 1960s. What the Flash brought was mind-blowing imagination uh, when it came to the use of the Flash's super speed as well as the rogues he fought. In fact, the colorful rogues of the Flash, Captain Cold, Mirror Master, Weather Wizard, and the Prankster uh, remain popular to this day. And they were really cranked out in the early years of the Flash's uh, comeback. The Flash, The Silver Age Volume 2, comes after the uh, Flash's initial uh, three trial appearances and his first 13 issues have introduced so much. But there's even more that gets introduced in this volume, and we're going to discuss it. Uh, this uh, particular volume collects issues 117 to 132. I won't try and cover everything in this book. It's a 400-page book. Plus, unlike, say, a modern comic where uh, you have plots that take place over multiple issues, these are all self-contained, or in many cases, uh, they uh, are uh, two st uh, stories in a single issue. So I won't try and cover everything. I will say that these are pretty lengthy uh, issues uh, when you take a look at them. Generally, you're looking at uh, about 23 to 25 pages, which is, uh, uh, which is the good length for the early Silver Age books. It'd get a lot shorter during the Bronze Age. The first big milestone comes in issue 117 of The Flash, the first uh, issue collected in this book, and it introduces Captain Boomerang. The story begins when a corporate 
head honcho has the idea that his company could make a really big trend out of selling boobarangs, as yo-yos had recently been a big deal. And they need to hire someone who is experienced throwing the boomerang. And so our uh, villain uh, is hired and uses the name Captain Boomerang. That's part of the plan. And instead of taking this cushy corporate job, uh, you know, it'd be like being the Marlboro Man. Plenty of money coming his way. He instead turns to a life of crime, using incredibly clever boomerangs in order to uh, commit his uh, crimes. Flash actually thinks he spotted Captain Boomerang at the scene of a crime, but uh, Captain Boomerang convinces him that he's innocent and that it would do harm to his elderly parents, who aren't his parents, but two actors playing them, and gets the Flash to go away, but realizes he has to get rid of the Flash. And how is he going to do that? He's going to tie him to a rocket-powered boomerang. Now, when I asked my wife about this, she pointed out, uh, shouldn't a uh, boomerang uh, return back to where it was thrown? And that's a good question. However, this uh, tying the flash to a boomerang uh, solution is actually used by Captain Boomerang again, but it's entirely different because this time it was a green uh, boomerang. Later on in the book, it was a brown giant boomerang, so it's completely different. But the idea is illustrative of how the uh, imagination of uh, writer John Broom just really runs wild in this book. Sometimes it's imaginative and fantastic. Sometimes it's imaginative and ludicrous. But if you like it, you go with it and you just enjoy uh, not knowing quite what they're going to come up with next for either Flash's powers or the villain's schemes. One uh, exception to this uh, that's kind of an oddity is the appearance of Winky, Blinky, and Naughty. Uh, these were actually three characters from the Golden Age Flash uh, Jay Garrick's book. And he, they were frequent recurring characters who he got into, ver uh, they got into various trouble and he had to deal with it. Um, they were just kind of bumbling uh, idiots, kind of based a little bit on the Three Stooges, um, you know, that sort of team. But th by then, uh, the time this was published, you're getting into the 1960s. So they're about 20 years out of date. They never return in the uh, uh Flash comic book, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, you also have an interesting plot with uh, Skullduggery going on the a set of a movie about the Flash, and it turns out an evil movie actor is behind it with his plans to uh, continue to pretend to be the Flash and collect big endorsement deals uh, based on the image of being the Flash, and he has to get rid of the real Flash in order to do that. And his plan to uh, actually be able to replicate the Flash's super speed once he gets rid of them is, well, it's actually non-existent. So that one didn't quite work as well. 
Uh, Mirror Master is great in this book. Uh, Mirror Master comes up with uh, the most challenging schemes uh, when it comes to battling the Flash. Uh, it's surprising because I, I tend to remember Captain Cold as being stronger, but Mirror Master really provides some uh, some extreme things, and he is. He is just really over the top as a villain in a most delightful way. He managed to come up with a way to control the Flash, and he locked him in a... Uh, he put him in a tube and uh, made smoke come out and had him come out like a genie and say, What is your wish, my master? I mean, that is... Somebody who is just uh, totally committed. Uh, you also have uh, the trickster. He has a, a pretty good outing uh, where he's stealing from other criminals who the Flash has stopped. And it's it's kind of leaves the Flash in a difficult situation because uh, it's if he... Uh, takes the criminal in, uh, then uh, he's not going to be able to go after the trickster who just really quickly comes in here and steals. Uh, though, of course, the Flash does get the uh, better of him in the end. Uh, you also get the top introduced in this book. And I don't uh, think he is probably a very good villain from the for the Flash, but he comes up with a pretty clever death trap, trapping the Flash inside a spinning atomic uh, grenade, and he has uh, made an ultimatum to the world uh, to for ransom to be paid, or he'll detonate the uh, grenade with the Flash inside. Uh, and it will blow up half the world, but he'll be on the other half of the world, so he'll be okay. Uh, and uh, the Flash does a good job with this. I think the challenge with the top is that his uh, powers are, in many ways, uh, very speed-based themselves. So it's speed versus speed, and uh, it uh, is not ultimately as big a challenge as you'd think for the Flash to win. Uh, you then also have a couple stories with the Flash and Kid Flash uh, time traveling. In this book, uh, Barry does reveal his uh, secret identity to Wally West, uh, Kid Flash. Uh, still had not uh, revealed it to Iris West. Would not do that until after the wedding because that's not something you need to know when you're getting married. Um, in one story, they end up on kind of a lost world island and end up going back into the past. That's kind of fun and interesting, but I prefer the later story, uh, which is essentially the Flash learns of an alien invasion in the 23rd century. And the way that the aliens are planning their invasion in the 23rd century is that they are removing all radiation from the Earth in 100,000 B.C., so that when they invade uh, in uh, tr in uh, the 23rd century, there won't be any atomic weapons. And so 
Uh, Barry has to go to the future, and Wally West, the Kid Flash, has to go to the past. And there are, you know, it's uh, some really strange and weird uh, creatures in the past that really makes this a lot of fun, and I like the idea of it. It's also worth noting that there are quite a few uh, Kid Flash stories in the book. The Flash stories in this book, which aren't book link, are often accompanied by a backup feature. Sometimes those are just another Flash story, but I'd say about half of them are kid Flash stories. And these are really fun uh, little tales. Uh, essentially, they're stories of him dealing with kid-sized problems in his hometown of Blue Valley. Uh, and I think Kid Flash is great, uh, even though he doesn't have the iconic traditional Kid Flash costume, which won't come along until the next volume. In this volume, he's still wearing his first uh, costume, which is a duplicate of Barry's. But there's not much confusion in stories in which they both don't feature. And even in those they do, they can kind of show the difference in size, though uh, the eventual decision to give him a different costume really works a lot better. The teenage sidekick is uh, something in superhero comics that I think some people have overanalyzed. Really what it's about is giving the reader a kind of chance to enter a fantasy of getting superpowers and fighting crime beside your favorite hero. And I, I mean, I could imagine, you know, if you're a, if you're a boy in the 1960s wanting to be anyone else other than Wally West, it's really, uh, a, really a bunch of fun stories and, uh, just, uh, enjoyable fare. Again, keeping in mind the original target audience. Of course, the book also features the landmark story, The Flash of Two Worlds, where the Flash, uh, Barry Allen, accidentally vibrates himself into another dimension, where he meets Jay Garrick, the Golden Age Flash, someone he had read about in comics. But it turns out that Gardner Fox, when he got those stories, was actually kind of tuning in on another dimension. Uh, it's worth noting that the Jay Garrick Earth 2 stories are the really the only stories that Gardner Fox wrote in here. But this is uh, really important. It would establish the basis of the DC multiverse and also all the great team-ups that I was talking about in a previous episode. The story itself uh, finds uh, Jay dealing with three villains after a bit of a layoff. And Barry teams up to help him deal with the Thinker, the Fiddler, and the Shade. Even with three villains, the real joy of this story is just the establishment of the multiverse and seeing the Golden Age and Silver Age Flash interact. It would set a standard that would be followed for uh, quite a while to come. Flash number 129 would uh, see Jay Garrick come to Earth-1 in search of a meteor uh, that he needs to save his uh, home uh, Earth. But Captain Cold and the prankster team up, which creates some problems 
for the flashes as they are far stronger uh, together than they ever would be alone. There's also an appearance by Gorilla Grodd, who uh, has uh, returned with stronger mental powers that has everyone singing his praises, and if the Flash gets close to him, he's not able to capture Grodd. We also get the appearance of Abracadabra, a magician from the future who becomes a foe of the Flash and has strange powers and strange abilities that come from his uh, knowledge of the future. Uh, In fact, his highlight in this book is the scene where he actually sends uh, Barry out into space. And the comic tells us that because of his speed powers, Barry has a protective aura that manages to stop him from being killed from going in space. So Barry is out there thinking about, well, this can be a bit of an inconvenience, but on the other hand, I am just thrilled to be a human being traveling this far out into space. So, yeah, that's some of the more absurd uh, imagination, but I still enjoy it. Uh, then you have a great team up between the Flash and the Green Lantern as uh, they are distracted, as aliens take over the world and then uh, threaten to surrender. And it seems like they're beaten, but our two heroes have a plan. Uh, this is a really fun story. It does kind of act like the Flash and the Green Lantern are the only heroes on the face of the Earth, and that the alien invaders can rest secure with them gone. Uh, which shows that the whole idea of the shared DC universe hadn't fully taken hold. And the book wraps up with uh, Flash having another visit to Dimension 24, where a uh, an ethical uh, television uh, producer challenged by the fact that there uh, it was nothing newsworthy going on on earth in the 1960s decides to create some disasters of his own but the flash gets in his way and he decides to deploy some high tech weaponry against Barry to make him the heaviest man alive that's uh, kind of a brief overview of the plots of the book I'm not going to uh, spoil it if as you've listened to this you've kind of want said, I wonder how that turned out, then this is the type of book you'd enjoy. If you're like, this book is totally, sounds totally ludicrous, then maybe not so much. But as for me, I'm going to give it a rating of very classy. It is still continuing to tell tales that have really defined the DC universe. I also have to appreciate that there's enough uh, science fact in here uh, to really uh pique people's interest in actual science and give the science fiction just a little bit more weight. So this is a very solid read. All right, that's all for now. If you like the show, be sure and rate us on iTunes. Send your comments to classycomicsguy at gmail.com. Check out the website, classycomicsguy.com. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.